What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday Evening Scrimmage Podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Inazelli and Michael Nolan. We have another great show for you. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Guys, hop right into news and notes from around the world. One of the biggest talking points has to be Italy getting knocked out of the World Cup qualifiers by Macedonia. Uh, this is going to be a, a long drought for them. 12 years between the potential next World Cup game, assuming that they make the 2026 World Cup. Um, what's your guys take on that? David versus Goliath, what's, what's a bigger upset? First of all, obviously that one hurt because I, I love, I support Italy when it's not the United States playing. Um, when a game goes that deep, you, you have to feel in the back of your neck that something's coming from the underdog, right? And it's 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 devastating. I mean, Chiesa's got to be sitting at home with you know bandaged up, thinking this is this is bullshit. If he was out there, I don't think they lose that game. Um, is that the? I actually think that's like the worst performance by a quote unquote big country, maybe in World Cup history. They went on the group stage. Don't forget the, the World Cup that they were in previously. It's tough. I mean, listen, they went. I, if you're in Italy, like an actual, like if you're from Italy and you're obviously you support the national team, there you were at the highest of highs and lowest of lows within a matter of like a two year span, right? They missed the, or four year span. They missed the World Cup. They go on the longest unbeaten run ever for international stage, win the Euros, and then don't qualify for the next World Cup. That is yeah. a whirlwind of emotions. Yeah, uh, North Macedonia must have been watching St. Peter's. They must have been watching. <laughs> Miracle on Ice, every single movie Rocky. you possibly could <laughs> to get themselves hyped up for that game against Italy because, my God, that was quite the defensive performance. Um, I think the XG in that game, too, I think North Macedonia, the one shot they had might have accounted for, like, 0. .02 of, like, their XG, and they finished at, like, 0. .04. <laughs> so uh, it very much was a wonder goal, to say the least. Questionable keeping from Donnarumma, but, I mean, oh, my God. What a game. What a finish. Um, definitely headlines. And I can't see how – it's Matt Seedy who's the coach, right? Right, yeah. Roberto? Yeah, I, don't see how, I, I don't see how he can come back from that, <laughs> honestly. Um, but, yeah, it was quite the kick in the stomach. So. Yeah, the poor finish. He's not going anywhere. I'm kind of shocked by that as well. I mean, I don't know. He poor, poor finishing. It's not like he didn't set them up to win. It's kind of hard to leave it on him instead of the players at that point. But I mean, they uh, had thirty shots. I know, and and there were a couple <laughs> clear cut opportunities that were either scuffed or kicked right at the keeper. So it's not like they yeah. shouldn't have scored. It's not like they didn't break exactly. down the defense. You know what I mean? Exactly. He, he set his team up to win. Um, especially in the back of the Euros, that's probably playing, playing into that a bit. Do you do you think that the World Cup needs to take a page out of the Champions League playbook? saying if you win one of these major tournaments, you're in the World Cup. Because to me, it seems like if you win the Euros, you should be in the World Cup. I 1,000% agree with that. Like if right. any, any continental tournament, you should automatically yes. get a bid. 1,000%. I, I don't see why they would be any other way. Yeah. At all. What do you, what do you think about the, qual- the actual qualifying format that they have out there now, though? I think that feels like – you don't think that's more of an issue? I think it's no, – I, I, I'm personally. agreeing with you. I think it's stupid. I, I think it's totally an issue. I mean, you're going to you're gonna put these teams into, what, eight teams in the group and, what, two qualify? And then you have four teams going through a playoff system? It just seems a little ridiculous. Like, 
wow, congratulations. Thanks for playing 14 games. Now go win back-to-back games on a one-leg, like round-robin elimination. It, does, it just doesn't make sense. If you're going to talk about trying to get to the biggest competition in the world, you're going to give them one game to do it. It should be double-leg at that point. And if you want to play the last matchup, because you obviously have to play right now as it stands, you got to play two matches to qualify in the playoffs. That, one, that last game could be a one-off, but the first leg should be a two-legged affair. It's funny you say that. I actually thought it was, like, just blindly looking at it. And everyone's like, Italy's, Italy's messed up. I'm like, bro, don't they have a home leg now or something? <laughs> was like, oh, shit, that was it. <laughs> like, they're gone. That was it, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think they have to look at that more. I'm, I'm 50-50 on the fences. If they should, if, if you win a contest with me, you should be in the World Cup. I don't disagree with that. Um, it comes into play. Though, don't forget, like, we have two gold cups before World Cup. So, like, then who qualifies for that? You go into a playoff. Um, like on our on, on just our side, like in Concacaf. Um, but at the same time, like should they be in the World Cup? They couldn't figure it out in 14 games, so like you can kind of counter that too. At the same time, like they weren't they clearly weren't good enough during that part as well. Yeah. So definitely, it also definitely makes you question why some of these other other leagues get the places that they do when they don't make any progress in the World Cup, though. You know. Yeah. Keep Costa Rica made to the round of 18, or round of eight one time too. It all. Yeah, you know, there's magical <laughs> runs there. Um, some other news. Congrats, Christian Eriksen scored within two minutes of coming on for his first international appearance since that scary day at the Euros last year. So props to him. Uh, it's still ridiculous how he's able to play football right now. It's a hell of a um, finish also. Was yeah, it was. Nice. Um, some weird news at, at a Stanford Bridge. We don't know if this is political or what's going on, but Roman Abramovich was apparently – was he actually poisoned? or Allegedly. Was he allegedly, allegedly, yeah. Okay, allegedly. After the peace talks. <laughs> yeah, along with two Ukrainian <laughs> officials. Yeah, apparently uh, Putin doesn't like the peace talks. <laughs> yeah. I think P- Putin's just clearing house right now. Sounds like it, man. I mean, hasn't – you guys would know this. Like, hasn't he been a pretty good friend of Putin's? Like, I'm kind of surprised he would just go right for the poison. He, at, least not, was, at least not talk to your bro. Yeah. Like, no, come on. Like, <laughs> I think he's done with talking. <laughs> at one point, Abramovich was uh, the quote-unquote Game of Thrones reference dropping uh, Warden of the North in Russia. He had, like, an entire region of Russia that was, like, under his control. He was, like, he was like uh, the capo. So does that make him Jon Snow? Is he going to die for a rightful cause? I, like, what's, <laughs> what's, what? at this point. <laughs> oh, man. I like it. Uh, and then last off, uh, this actually dropped pretty much right after we, we posted our last podcast, but the new FFP rules, uh, financial fair play, basically kind of the short, short, uh, sh- whatever, spark notes version of it. Clubs can spend 70% of their income. This will take place over a three-year period and gradually dropping towards 70. So I think it's like 90, then 80, then 70% pretty much yeah. uh, down the line. Uh, so basically, let's say a club pulls in 100 million. They're allowed to spend up to – it sounds like up to 70 million of that income. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on it? It seems to favor bigger clubs, in my opinion. It 1,000% favors bigger clubs. And I'm not sure – they'll probably push this rule through because of the weight that they have in those boardrooms with UEFA. But – I think you're probably going to see, especially with if that rule gets passed in April over the next year to two, some serious, serious spending before those like restrictions kick in. And we might see some pretty wild transfers probably happen in the next year or two, in, in my opinion. Because it kind of seems like get your spending out of the way now, and then we're going to really kick this in. So let me more on a transfer fee by, by what you're saying. Because um, wages are going to count towards this as well, right? They will. Well, that, that's yeah. only wages to 70%. Technically speaking, it's employee benefits, expenses, 
um, exceeding 70%. And then it's luxury. You have to pay luxury taxes, similar to the way the MLB runs it right now. So theoretically, you can still go over that number if you just, if you, you feel pay like a tax, splashing more cash. Correct. I yeah. I mean, they're voting for it on um, April 7th, I believe is the date at this point, but it's UEFA executives voting, not any club officials, basically. So I guess they're going to just going to rule with an iron fist once again. It's <laughs> like, interesting. Do, do you think um, it favors certain leagues and certain teams? I was about to bring that up because obviously the Premier League, you definitely have the biggest TV rights out of all the top five leagues in Europe, especially over here in the States. Um, so they're, they're more on a global perspective. Spain has stricter financial um, regulations on their own league alone, let alone just in general competing in Europe. Um, Germany's tough. Mike mentioned free podcast. They have a, a lot of the clubs over there have splits with between the boards and the fans. Um, I'm really not too sure about uh, France and the PSG pretty much gets away with everything. Um, so my opinion, yes, Premier League definitely gets a boost up. They have the biggest TV price. Theoretically, they're going to have the most amount of income and be able to spend necessarily the most. So it feels like they should have a lopsided advantage towards other leagues in Europe. Yeah. I mean, looking at some of the statistics, though, it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern who lead right now in terms of revenue, right? What a considerable and, margin as well. Uh, yeah, Bayern, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona clocked in at 792 in, in millions, obviously, for 2021 with the closest Premier League club being Manchester United at 643. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a 150 million disparity, 70% of that. You know, it's, it's not a small amount. It's, it adds up. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know why they don't – because it, it seems to me that this really hinders the smaller clubs from being able, being able to compete, right? Obviously, the way things work now, they still can't – they still don't want to exceed what they're making. And obviously, when you talk about percentage-wise, percentage maybe it ends up balancing out. But it kind of feels like it should be more of like a stepladder, kind of the way tax brackets work for income, right? These gigantic yeah. clubs that are meeting revenue thresholds should be able to spend 70%. And these smaller clubs that are, are you know, not meeting anywhere near that should be able to spend 80 to 90% of their salaries if they want to. It's the only way they're ever going to be able to attract talent at this point. Um, so a, a, a flat rate of 70% to me is just a little baffling on how they expect the game to move forward and not just continue to just throw money at the same clubs over and over again. Do you think that fate, like will further along – certain clubs being farmers for other leagues in terms of talent, like from a young, young, uh, a prospect. You, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like they'll be selling. So you, so you, have, some, so you, have, a, you have a club like Ajax consistently is always turning over new young players and they're going over the top clubs, Dortmund, and they're going to Bayern or mm-hmm. uh, Barcelona, those, those, those type of players. If you do this 70% rule, or is it not just going to turn to effect of where IX is like even more crippled because they can only spend so much of their already lower income? Because I'm assuming Netherlands TV rights are not that great. Their their income well, is slashed. So they, they become essentially a feeder, an academy, basically, right? Well, I yeah. think that's kind of the hope because if you look at it this way, the profit that these clubs like take Dortmund for example, right? They bought Usman Dembele for what? Let's just call it 10 million pounds, and they sold him for a hundred plus. That's we'll technically for- income. That's how these clubs are going to have to move up the ladder to, for that income. They're going to be turning over these youth players. And then once that income hits higher and higher numbers, then they can spend more to bring in these higher tiered players. I don't think it's going to turn clubs strictly into feeders, but I think you're going to have to be a feeder club in order to get to the next echelon where you're able to buy players with this increased revenue and hopefully stay at that level. So your, your, your income stays there as well. Yeah. You're not, they're not going to be, or they're not going to be able to allow to drop, 
uh, off on that recruiting though, because if they stop the recruiting in one year, they're not going to be able to bring in you know enough talent to be able to actually compete in the top of the top league. So. Yeah, and it also turns into a risky scenario because what happens now if you're not selling a hundred million dollar player every year? Yeah. Like, okay, let's say Dortmund has a terrible year like they did a couple seasons ago, and they're not going to sell anyone for 50, 60, 70 million pounds or, or euros. And at that point, your income just drops so significantly that you're nowhere near the 70% tax because you are banking on that to be able to hit your 70% mark. So it also puts them in a dangerous position. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Do you guys think they'll actually it? follow through with punishments? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's a funny question, but uh, I don't know. Let's look at FIFA's track and UEFA's track record with that in the past. <laughs> um, regarding financial fair play. <laughs> uh probably not i mean the reported punishments are that players not players excuse me teams would be dropped from hypothetically they're in the champions league one day they go over this they could be demoted to the europa league and then farther down to the uefa conference league um there's even talks about point deduction in like those groups um so there's certain things that they're throwing out there which in theory sound great um but do they actually follow through with it and I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Juventus allegedly, quote unquote, got caught cooking the books on 18 players, fudging their revenue numbers. And what, literally not a single thing has happened from that. And that was, what, six months ago now? So it's like, no, they're probably not going to enforce it because you're not going to risk a Real Madrid dropping out of the Champions League because they blow past this number. It's just not going to happen. They're, they're about the buck at the end of the day. So bringing that kind of point up, do you think there's any potential way this forms a different league if the clubs don't like it? I mean, they've already been speaking about yeah. it extensively. So I think if anything, it might accelerate it. Yeah, I, I could I, easily see that. I actually think the way that they're changing the World Cup format, they're changing the Champions League format, and they're changing the revenue streams, I think all of this is doing nothing but pushing these clubs towards the Super League, to be honest with you. Not a single thing that they're doing is in the interest of the players or the clubs. It's completely revenue related for lining their own pockets and relating, uh, lining the UEFA coffers, like adding what, even if it's an average of what 10 games to a, a player's legs, like that's a crazy amount. That's more than 10% because they're not playing hundred games a season. So it, it doesn't seem safe. It doesn't seem realistic. And it's it, the clubs are going to revolt at one point or another. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Oh, you can't play in this tournament. Okay, we'll just create our own tournament. Like, whatever. <laughs> F you. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Let's head over. We are still on international break, at least for a couple more days. We have uh, some big news at United States Men's National Team Camp. We've had two games so far, a 0-0 draw against Mexico, a 5-1 butt whooping against Panama at home. And then we go, we're going to go away to Costa Rica for our last game of the World Cup qualifying window. And last one in general for this one, we, as long as we avoid a six goal loss to Costa Rica, U.S. will automatically qualify, which is awesome. Um, if we somehow come into terms like that, at the very least, we at least go to a playoff, but hopefully it doesn't happen. What's the, uh, anyone know what the penalty is for just straight up forfeiting a game? <laughs> I think it's 3-0. <laughs> so I, so I, so I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> The federation, I guess, Concacaf have a right to actually kick us out and like not let us perform if we do some <laughs> do some shit like that. But it was brought up that as a genius strategy because that's automatic qualification at that point. Yep. I, do, I do like it. 
Sorry, sorry we have 42 cases of COVID. You only have 21 <laughs> players. <laughs> Coaches, it's just some fans, right. you know. Reggie, right. we'll so, who, who got it in uh, Mexico? It was uh, – I don't remember. Uh, Cannon, right? Cannon. Yeah, he just gave it to the whole team. Yeah. <laughs> Start spreading the rumor. Yeah, that stomach bug, really bad now. Everyone's got it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Mexico game real quick. Mexico outshot us. They outpassed us, outpossessed us. But honestly, watching the game, it really felt like U.S. actually dropped two points in this match. They had the better, like the much better quality of chances. Pool six, I guess, I don't want to say tapping, but still. It was tapping. Shot. It was tapping. Give the man a break. And then um, <laughs> P-Folk just, I don't know what happened. He couldn't sort his feet out or whatever the case is, but Rand put one on an absolute platter for him. And it, the way, how informed that man is, it's almost shocking that he misses it. But he did. Um, it was very telling of the entire window, in my opinion. It felt like every other game that we played. No, no real number nine that came through for us. Creating chances, lack thereof. Some sloppy playing the midfield, touches passing wise too. <sighs> yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think outside of like we, we knew that going into the Azteca, you know, it's never an easy feat. The United States has won what one qualifier there in their history. So it was always going to be a, a struggle defensively and maintaining possession and whatnot. I, honestly, this might be a weird thing, but the one thing that concerned me the most was the incredible amount of terrible first touches on this team. Even on simple ground passes, it looked like the, the ball was just bouncing off of every United States uh, United States foot. It just it felt like they could, were never able to trap the ball and, and then obviously release the pressure moving forward from that. But I, I'm with you, Steve. It, it was definitely two points drop, regardless of the fact that we were outplayed for a majority of that game. Look, you feel like we were outplayed though. Like those are just statistics. It didn't really. I never felt like Mexico was overrunning us, except for maybe like a five or the ten minute spell here or there in the game. I wouldn't yeah, say Mexico. I wouldn't say Mexico was overrunning, but it's not like they didn't have their chances either and just didn't capitalize mm-hmm. on them. Let's let's be honest here, right? And if you went into this game prior, and again, we were when we were talking about this and said, if you got a point at the Azteca, would you be happy, right? At, like, I'm, I'm still happy with this result, given the fact that they played in the, against that team. It's still a good Mexico team. Uh, the U.S. was missing a ton of players. Yeah, let's, yeah. Not, let's not even bring that up, or we can bring that up. So the fact that we walked out of there with a point, that's a, that's a huge win in my book. Obviously, I would have loved the icing on the cake, and I would have loved to see P-Folk put away a goal, Pulisic put away a goal, Um but it is what it is, and we're still in a great position to qualify now. So, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm not gonna cry about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to say like I'm like like yeah, points good. But I'm just saying the way the game played out in my mind, and like or like how it actually played out in my mind, it was like that was three points right there. That was a two 0 win. Yeah. And that's kind of like my only issue with it. Like I feel like like in a tournament setting in a World Cup, we get into the knockout rounds. That's a loss. Honestly, you could say the game against Panama could have been a loss in a to- in a tournament game, in a tournament, actual World Cup. Like defensively, yeah, yeah, I see you looking weird. The one that the just fight, happened, the, yeah, the re- yeah. Listen, <laughs> one, no, listen, one. Listen, they were really sloppy defensively. They were. If they were playing a better team with better strikers, that they're game playing is, a Belgium or someone. Yeah, I that, 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 okay. That game is not two. That game's two two. That game's two one. Like, there's no way that they're walking away without a goal, like a, being tied up by halftime. Yeah, they gave like, away a ton of crap balls in that game. 
Look, I, I think at the end of the day, I agree with you, Mike. I was happy with a point going into that. I think I said that in the last in the last time we we spoke. The problem is that was under the pretext that we were going to be absorbing pressure and and grinding it out to pull out that result. This was a complete. How can I put this? It, it, there was no, there was no ruthlessness. There was no cutting edge. There was no, there was no finishing touch. You, you want to win games. You want to win tournaments, and you want to compete at the highest level. It's going into games where you maybe aren't going to come out as the favorites, but you put away those chances when they come because they did enough to win the game, and that's what's disappointing at this point. It, it's not, yeah. it's not the fact that we got one point. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with one point. I said it earlier. One point was just avoid two losses was was the motto for this. It's just don't go two losses out of three matches, but we had every opportunity to win that game and our our most informed number nine was on the field and our best player arguably when the 10 years are up from now is going to go down as probably our best ever player fluffed two of the easiest chances i've ever seen i'm not good and i'm pretty confident i could have done better on those two chances and like i get it you gotta you gotta give the cut them some slack i mean they're playing week in week out they're tired i understand all of that but to not have that ruthless edge in such a massive, massive game and knowing that it's a massive game is more concerning than anything else. Yeah. It definitely begs questions on the U S finishing ability. I'll, yeah. I'll say that more than anything. And then you could say that about the entire world cup cycle, looking back on it, given the games they played the lack of ruthlessness in the first half of a lot of those games where they left it till late in this in particular. Um, I think that's a good point. And hopefully by the time the world cup comes around, somebody has stepped up and is somewhat putting away those chances when they come around goal. Right. Agreed. Let's go to, let's go to a game where they did put away their chances. The other ones that are given to them five, one to Panama pool, sick hat trick, two penalties to start the match off or well, just two penalties in general. And then an absolute filth, disgusting spin Meg finish. It was, it was beautiful. Um, as Mike Ray kind of alluded to, defending was a little bit sloppy. Do agree with that. What any other kind of like mass takes from this game? It it felt like it was one of the first first year state games in a long time. I really wasn't stressed. Yeah, I would say a big take for me in that game was I went into that game being a fan of Luca Del La Torre. I became a bigger fan after watching him play that game. Yeah. He needs to be one of the first to be, whether it's subbed in the World Cup, to come in, to be a difference maker. That guy can, he does an amazing job of dribbling and carrying the ball forward. The problem you might be able to say is that we have like a potentially healthy McKenney, potentially healthy Moose, uh, Yunus Musa. So do we have, maybe we have like too many ball carriers on the field at once, but if someone needs a break, that guy should be the first guy to be called in. Uh, I love watching yeah. him play. Maybe he shoots the ball a little bit more, but when he has an opportunity, but... He, he looks like the real deal. Yeah, he, he reminds me of uh, Gio Reyna a little bit without the attacking mindset. The way he likes to pick the ball up and, and travel at defenses. But I do agree with you. He had an opportunity where he, he slid the ball sideways and played a slightly behind Ferreira, um, mm -hmm. where I would definitely agree with you. I think he, he, he had a look on net. He could have hit it across net and into the far post. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I felt he made the right pass in that decision. It just it, the execution was poor on it. Like he just played it too far behind uh, for our or for our just he made the run too soon as well. He could have slowed up. Yeah, I, I don't know. Still, the, the opportunity where there was the hit, and I want to see that when it, when it presents itself. You don't know how many of those you're going to get. Yeah, also and then uh, also from that too, uh, Gio Reyna when he came on in that game. I mean, he oh looked. Oh my god, 
He looked unbelievable in both games, honestly, Mexico. And he had that amazing slaloming run through like what six defenders sat, two people, <laughs> that sat two people down. That was unreal. Right? And then in the game against Panama, he had leading up to that uh, De La Torre pass, right? He had the no look pass that split the lines. I mean, he was on a different level. He was lights out, like just playing at a in a different stratosphere than the rest of the team. I felt like to me, you can you can really tell how good he truly is because he's been out for months, four four months at least, roughly give or take. And he comes back on. It's probably what his fourth game back. He had a couple substitute appearances for Dortmund. I think one ninety mm-hmm. minutes and then two subs for the U.S. And he looked that good and like he stood out. Oh, right, absolutely, absolutely like, stood out. It's, it's pure, it's pure talent and skill. It's he's gonna be incredible. What do you think that um, does? As much as I love way on that right wing, I, like how do you not start Reina? Like, how, like it's impossible not to. Well, that's what I was gonna say. What do you think it does for the starting lineup? Because I, I, he has to be in the starting lineup. I think we're we're all in agreement with that. But I don't want to see him out on the right wing. He, I, I want to see him in the middle, through the middle. Yeah, he's through the so middle. I agree. have to potentially drop that three man midfield and maybe go to like a four two three one system or something along along those lines where you have. Eunice Musa and maybe Tyler Adams or, or McKenney if he's healthy or whatever the case may be back there. And then Reyna as more of a cam role. But that means you have to switch up your whole formation, which the USA have not done. Do it the only other thing I could think of is you play him as a false nine. And we, and if, because if, if we have no, if we if, put it this way, if we have no nine, like confident number nine going into the World Cup, would you be opposed to Reyna playing at the center forward position? I don't think I would. I, I think I would. he would get, I would think he'd get bullied yeah. against bigger, bigger teams. That's, I mean, that'd be the only issue, I guess. I think his talents when he's, when he gets, when he picks up the ball in space and in, in the halfway lines, able to dribble out opponents, similar to the way Pulisic is at his strength as well, at his strongest as well. Yeah. I, I mean, Moose is probably coming out then at that point. It's the only other guy. Like, you, you can't take McKinney. Ty yeah. Adams is a must-have. McKinney is the box-to-box midfielder you need yep. to protect. I so, the task would have to be Musa. He, I mean, he, it's great, though, to, add, to for, have a player that can add a, such a different dimension to your team that you're able to switch your lineup into various formations is unbelievable. Like, it, what a gem to have on, on, on your squad. Oh, absolutely. It's nuts. Uh, any um for the upcoming game against Costa Rica, anything you guys personally want to see? Um, I honestly just want to see us go in there and try to win it. I, I rather us go with a nice strong lineup and do something we haven't done. We've never beat them beaten them at home or beaten them away. I think it'd be good for them to end on a high like that. Um, I would love to see P folk get the start and try to redeem himself from that big miss in Mexico. I think this would be a good game for him to get up there, you know, kind of throw some people around, use his body in the correct way as like a true nine. Um, Cause Costa Rica obviously has to play for it, right? They have to go all out here. Yeah. I think PFO would be a great hold up man to be putting up there, let him hold the ball up, run the counter off him, use him as a pivot. Um, that's personally what I want to see Greg do, but we all know that Greg does his own thing. So. <laughs> When would well, if I remember correctly, last window too, didn't he start three different strikers in three different games? I could be, I could be wrong. He hasn't picked the same right. lineup ever. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, Jesus uh, Ferreira at the end of the Panama game, he looked like he was kind of pulling up with like a slight cramp and a slight limp. I'm not sure if that's going to affect his ability to play or not, but you could definitely see for him and uh, Shaq Moore in particular, they were kind of struggling towards the end of that game. So I wouldn't expect to see either of them getting, if any, like a start. Yedlin, a Yedlin will come time. back anyway. He's he's off suspension. He hope most likely start right back. Cannon's probably still out. I'm assuming um, with COVID situation. 
I mean, Shaq Moore is pretty much what would you consider our fourth string right back, and he still played a hell of a game, I thought. Yeah, he, did he played well. a great game. Great game. Yeah, oh, it's I, just unfortunate. Like, that position is absolutely stacked for us. Good. <laughs> I, I'd like to see a little bit more of defensive stability from this side. I think regardless of the results, is 0-0 against Mexico and a, a 5-1 against Panama. I mean, Panama still had 10 shots. Mexico had 11. I mean, we were out. we were out-possessed. I would like to see a little bit – a little bit more of a solid performance from the back to midfield, because I think that's where the team seems to be lacking a lot of times is relieving yeah. pressure, misplaced passes by either the goalkeeper or the defense and trying to link the defense to midfield. And I think that needs to be cleaned up. Otherwise we're going to get punished by these bigger teams. Obviously it's not going to happen overnight, but I'd like to see it start um, in a game against a team as hot as Costa Rica in an environment that we, we know the United States doesn't like to be in. So that would be a great place to begin that and, uh, for the confidence. Yeah. There was a couple times too in that Panama game where there was balls played back that, again, if it was a better team, yeah, uh, better strikers. I mean, that game could easily be a different score line by half. So, let me ask you something then: If United States make the World Cup and they played the way they played either against Panama or Mexico in the tournament, do you think they get out of the group stage? Depends I think they probably the don't. Group. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Just take, just take a base fire, average, right? not group of death like in what was when we had Germany and uh, what Portugal or something. Mean, we, we, we didn't think we'd get out of that group. Yeah, yeah. So that's a tough one. Um, like Mike said, depending on who's in there, I, I think we're still talented enough to where we, we would find a way out of it. But do I think we'd advance far the way we, with the way we played recently? No. I don't think you'd make it beyond. The round of 16. Definitely not beyond the quarterfinals. Like round yeah, of 16, you, you, we should play on penalties if we get like a weaker draw, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I can't see that happening, honestly, yeah. just given the defensive fragility sometimes and yeah, the, we actually and the lack of finishing. Let's just say that. Well, do you yeah. think we're still missing Brooks then, even regardless of a, a, a clean sheet and then a game against Panada that probably could have been clean sheet if it wasn't for the 86 minute? I think – Robinson and Walker Zimmerman have done a phenomenal job. And I, I will say that first and foremost, they've done a phenomenal, phenomenal job stepping in, in Brooks's, let's just say absence omission. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but would I still prefer to have Brooks back there? Yes. I, I think he leads that team. I think in those games, you probably in the world cup in particular, maybe that's the difference between getting a draw versus having a loss is having someone back there to make those types of experienced center back plays. Um, so I, I do think that he should be playing. He should be starting over at least one of the two, um, even though it'd be hard, really hard to pick between one of them. But do you yeah. think he makes the World Cup roster? I don't think he does at this point. Who At this point? No. Who is this? Sorry. Brooks. Thanks for paying attention. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was looking at a stat somewhere. No, I, I don't think he does. I think Greg's pretty much made up his mind about that. If you were ever going to bring the guy in, it's when he's in the hottest form of his life right now. When you need yeah, him for the last round. List of what they, want to, they, they sent them a list of what they want him to work on. I'm like, what more does he need to work on? What? Oh, <laughs> can you grow six feet? Um, generate? I don't, I, what can the guy do? He's They're like gonna, a one goal in like nine matches for Wolfsburg or some ridiculous stat like that. And he's, 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 he's probably he's our best passing center back. Like out of the back too, and the long balls as well. 
Which is saying something because I generally don't think he's a great passer, but watching Zimmerman try to ping balls forward that end up 40 yards from the nearest attacker is getting ridiculous. Yeah. Him and Miles don't have that type of ability. No. That's just, that's Miles just... is straight defense. Like he is like, but like I, I love that about him. Like he's he's get by him, just like try. But like, yeah, if he if if it's him playing with Stefan in the back, it's it's a little nervy. Yeah. They remind me of just some like early 2000s hard-nosed defenders. Like that's that's what they do. They're not like a mo- like the modern fullback has to get it forward and, and cross and pass the way Anthony Robinson is. They're they are not in that kind of uh, conversation. Well, looking forward to it. Uh, I think if if I'm not mistaken, I thought I heard the draw was Friday. I could I could yeah. be wrong though. Friday. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. obviously, hoping we fingers crossed, nothing stupid happens at Costa Rica and we get through. Automatically qualify, and let's we'll see who gets I mean, the play. We're, we're pretty much on a side note. I don't want to jinx it, but ninety nine point nine nine percent. If we happen to lose by a five nil score line, six nil, six nil, excuse me, then fuck, fuck us. We don't, we, yeah, we're, <laughs> <laughs> like, right, let, let's be real here. Like we don't deserve it. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to point out though. There is a real chance that Costa Rica could hop Mexico if they get a result and Mexico drop the ball. If Mexico were to lose, all Costa Rica has to do is win by like two goals or even one goal, depending on how bad Mexico would lose. There's a th- there, Mexico has three-point lead, but only a four-point goal differential. There's mm-hmm. still a chance that they can hop them and send Mexico to the fourth, fourth spot. Absolutely uh, I'm thinking blow the game at 4-0 personally, but <laughs> <laughs> just we have a mutual handshake. All right, here's four yeah, goals. Yeah. Everyone just sit down, chill out. Brandon, with that said, they are playing El Salvador and they just played Honduras. So they're literally playing the two worst teams in the group back to back. And that sounds like tracking to me. Yeah. <laughs> let's head let's head on over to the Prime though. We are gonna uh have some club football back this weekend, which is nice to see after an international break. Um, want to say right through all the games, kind of just quick, quick touch upon. It is a little bit. All right. Saturday morning, you got Liverpool Watford last five times they've played. Liverpool has won four Watford one, uh, combined goal tally 15 to three. Does Watford have a chance? Nope. No. Next question. Next. Move on. <laughs> we are moving quick. Uh, Brighton versus Norwich, each team, five straight losses in all comps. What happens here? Who gets a result? Does either team get a result? Depends on whoever gets sounds sounds like a draw to me, but yeah. I got I get that's what my heart's saying, but my head is telling me Brighton win. So I think it depends on who did their prayer circle long enough during the international break. Whoever, whoever <laughs> generated the extra mojo. I actually give it to Norwich. That is bold. Yeah. That is bold. Uh, Burnley versus Man City. If you thought Liverpool's dominance over Watford was good, Man City is 5-0 and in their last five matches against Burnley with a goal tally of 17-0. Is Burnley due? I mean, this, <laughs> this, this is an ass whooping. I'm going to be real. This is a Burnley kind of game right now. Let's let's be frank. Relegation battle, playing Man City, a point where they know they're going to be defending for their life. I mean – you never know. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe li- maybe the city are feeling the pressure of Liverpool creeping up. I, I'll, I'll still stick to my guns on this one. <laughs> Mike, I like what you're trying to do with the sell job there. It's just – it's such a, it's so, such a hard sell. It's so far apart that it, I don't <laughs> – good try. It's only 17-0. You <laughs> 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 <Can> reverse that. <laughs> only, only, guys. 
Uh, yeah, Celtic Van City as well. Uh, Leeds versus Southampton. Southampton's finally cooling off uh, after that nice little hot runner form that they had. Jesse Marsh and Leeds are going the opposite way. They're fighting their way out of the bottom of the table. Um, two wins recently. Could be a massive three points on line for them. They probably need one to two more wins to really secure safety. Um, I'm going to take the informed team here. I think Leeds and Jesse Marsh get it done. I back that up. I would say a draw in this scenario. Got you. I mean, as long as James Ward Cross is playing, it's always possible. Um, interesting game, in my opinion, here. Um, obviously, given with everything off the field for Chelsea, but Chelsea versus Brentford, the last couple times they've played, Brentford's actually put in really good performances against them. Um, the first game in the league, uh, Chelsea ended up winning 1 0 from a chill ball, like stunning volley. Um, but Brentford outshot them 17 to 5 in that game. It was very far from an uh, easy day in the park for uh, Chelsea. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a triple game for Chelsea. I mean, they historically have played down to competition or quote-unquote down to competition. But um, I, I think it's going to depend on what the international hangover looks like for players like Jorginho and Pulisic. If Pulisic is able to get the start and keep up that form, obviously I think it's not going to make a difference. Um, Kai Havertz is an unbelievable form. Him and Timo Werner scored during the international break for Germany's last match. So they're, they're, they're cruising right now. I still think Chelsea will probably come away with three points, but I don't think it's going to be an easy task by any means. Yeah, I mean, the only player who should really be feeling down about himself is Jorginho and that team. Do you uh, think he was at fault for that goal? I feel like he was. He, I feel like he blew his assignment appealed. right there in the middle of the field. Yeah, I, I don't know. Right. I still don't think his slow ass would have caught up to the shot being taken either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see anything other than a Chelsea win here. I know Brentford just recently are coming off like that win from the other week where Erickson had the – he had the assist and Tony had two goals in that game. Yeah. Um, but Chelsea are seem to be kind of clicking. Just the, They probably have that little bit of quality that Brentford won't be able to compete with. Brentford seems to just constantly like put the ball in dangerous areas but can't finish it for the most part. So – Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to say no. Um, moving on Wolves versus Villa Wolves trying to kind of write the ship after an upset loss to Leeds last week or two weeks ago, whatever you want to call it. Um, him and his questionable red card did them in. What are we feeling here? One, no, um, Wolves victory. <laughs> I think it's actually going to shape up to be game of the week in all honesty. I think both teams are going to go after it and get it. They, they both have players in incredibly hot form. Obviously, Raul Jimenez is going to be a big miss for Wolves uh, on that red card suspension. Um, but at home, I still think Wolves have the ability to dictate the tempo of the play. And you can't discount the magic of Villa at times. I mean, they have players that just turn it on out of nowhere. I mean, Ali Watkins could do it. Obviously, Philippe Coutinho can do it. And I think it's going to end up being one of those shootout matches where it's going to be kind of end-to-end stuff similar to the way Wolves um, leads were. So I, I think this one's going to be a high-scoring affair, but ultimately there's not much to separate the two. And I think you can expect like about a 2-2 draw out of this match. Okay. Interesting. Uh, the primetime game of the week, Man U versus Leicester. Uh, huge game for Man U. Top four chances are really hanging on the line right now uh, against the Leicester team that we thought would be challenging for the top four. Uh, Leicester has actually owned this matchup, winning the last three fixtures between them. Damn, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Two in the league, one the, uh, I think the FA Cup it was, or Carabao, one of the two. Interesting. Um, with that being said, they're playing, they're playing at, in Leicester, right? If I'm not mistaken. No, they're in Old Trafford. Uh, I think they're at Old Trafford. Old Trafford. 
Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I think with that in mind, I still think this might be a Leicester game for them to kind of go out and at least get a draw in. Um, I just have too many question marks defensively, not to say Leicester doesn't have their own, but if Maguire's in the back and, you know, there's any possibility of an own goal or three goals or anything along those lines, to be frank. So, um, Did you see what um, Southgate had an interview recently about uh, Maguire or asked specifically about Maguire? Um, just you guys, what he said, basically, kind of like the form he's been in and all that kind of stuff. No, what he say? It, in essence, he was basically on lines of like, this man's brought us to a Euros final, a World Cup semifinal. So we know he has the play in him to be able to help us win games. But obviously his form this year, if there was more quality behind him in the depth chart, he probably wouldn't be starting. Yeah, and I also think it's kind of bullshit to say he took him to a World Cup sem- uh, a Euros final, yeah. and a World Cup semis when that team is filled with attacking power, and and that was really what dragged him there. I mean, I, yeah, if there was depth behind him, absolutely. It didn't help that Varane was injured for a little bit of time, and your your backups were what Phil Jones and Lindelof. Don't get me wrong, Lindelof put in a couple really really strong performances. I can think of one in particular. I forget who it was against, but he made like three he or four. All last year, he was like their he was their go to guy. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, my favorite memes on Instagram are the Harry Maguire. <laughs> he like lets the ball through his legs or he's like chasing Those, those videos are great. Look, I, I don't care what his quality is. The fact of the matter is he's in the worst form of just about any central back, center back in the Premier League. Like, I don't care who you have to play over him at this point. You got to make a statement because you can't just keep letting the mistakes happen and letting goals go in. I mean, I feel like the English center back position is actually relatively pretty stacked. I mean, or at least depth wise, like they have like quality underneath him. You have young guys like someone like Gay who's who's starting right now. I think he just got his first cap. He did. Right. Yeah. So yeah, someone like him. But then you also have like John Stones, um, Keen. Who else back there? I'm trying to think. Michael Keen. Keen. What? Twan Twan Zabi's a comer. He's like Harry Maguire's younger brother. They're like <laughs> just own goal city, own goal family. But, I mean, you got someone like Mings, right? Like, there, yeah. there are plenty of names, I feel like, behind them that, like, I wouldn't be nervous as my center back. Or I'd be probably a lot less a lot less nervous than someone like McGuire in there. So, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. I'm, I'm just curious if you guys heard those comments or not. No, I I don't know. But topic at hand, I think Lester's actually going to come away, uh, come away with a win here. I think you're going to see a lot of tired legs from Ronaldo and Bruno having to give it all for these two, these two qualifier matches because, obviously, getting to the World Cup is more important to them than – winning a game against Leicester City. And let's be frank, a match that may end up meaning nothing if Arsenal continue to the hot form they're in, given the, the games they played and the points they're back. So I think you're going to have a lot of a lot of tired legs in that Manchester United team because almost every single one of them are called up to their national team when Leicester obviously don't necessarily have that problem. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on the game. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, anytime you got Ronaldo, though, and the way Lester plays with Jekyll and Hyde, uh, never know what kind of you're going to get out of them, really. So, yeah, um, I'll take a man you win in that one. Uh, West Ham versus Everton. Everton looking to build off their last league match, definitely not their last FA Cup performance, um, where they were one nothing winners over Newcastle. West Ham's, I mean, yeah, I guess they're still shooting for top four at this point, or just Europe in general. Um, thoughts on this one? Could it be kind of a trap game for West Ham at home? Everton's fighting for something. I, I feel like it could be because you obviously just took that loss to Tottenham uh, the week before if you're West Ham, right? And now you're playing a Everton team that has everything in the world to be possibly playing for. Um, 
to me, I, I don't know. I feel like Everton have a really strong possibility. Again, like we said, they have to walk into certain games that they can get points off of. And I feel like this is one of those games where they can potentially do it. Tired legs, tired minds, maybe not as much depth still in the West Ham squad. Maybe Bowen's not back yet. I think uh, Everton, you know, should and potentially could take advantage of it. So, yeah, and West Ham aren't obviously known for keeping a lead. Recently, they've been going up first and having to call their way back in the game. So, if, if it, that that's always a worry when you go into matches. And I know Everton aren't in good form. I, I mean, actually, let's rephrase that. I know Everton are in terrible form, but they still have the quality that if they were to show up at any day they're going to give problems to just about any team. So I, I wouldn't write them off either. I just don't know if they're going to have enough to overcome West Ham at home. I, I think it's, I think West Ham will be able to pull this off closer to a two, one score line. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Tottenham versus Newcastle is first. Still shooting for Europe top four as well. Um, against the rejuvenated, I guess we could say Newcastle squad. Um I don't want to say track game again, but it also kind of feel it's not going to be a walk in the park for them either. Uh, Newcastle been putting performances left and right against some top tier teams, and also some. I mean, Chelsea they barely escaped them um, with three points, and then obviously beating up on the teams around them to get out of the relegation battle. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not going to be a straightforward game, and in particular, the one player I'd be watching out for on Newcastle's team, Bruno Gamarish. I mean, that guy has been a revelation since he's come in, and he's been brought in since January. Um, he really seems like kind of like that midfield, I guess you could say general. He has the ability to pick a pass. He can make a tackle. Um, it's not going to be straightforward at all for Spurs. That being said, I still think they probably are going to be riding high on the West Ham win. They know what's at stake. I think at this point, Conte has stated either subtly or very unsubtly that anything other than top four and he's out. And uh, I guess you could say the same with Kane as well. So they have a lot to be playing for. Well, that'd be one, I feel like it'd be one of the shorter stints of like Tottenham Spurs or uh, a coach for them. I guess Nuno would be beat. No, Nuno. <laughs> Nuno has contact. AVB. Yeah. How long did he last? I don't know. I think it was like a year, maybe. Probably not even. I remember now. He didn't last at Chelsea, that's for sure. Poor guy. They love taking our, uh, our scraps. Uh, last game of the weekend, Crystal on Monday, Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. Um, definitely tough game for Arsenal. Crystal Palace side just beat Everton 4-0 in the FA Cup. Um, they've also been a very tough out for most teams in the league this year. One of the few wins over Man City. Um, we know we know what they're we know what kind of both teams are about, right? Crystal Palace grinding out results, ton of draws this season. If they had a little bit more quality, they might even pull out a lot more points and some wins. Arsenal, terrible start to the season, but as of late, gunning for that top four spot, and it seems like they're to lose. What do we got? Yeah, Palace in indifferent form right now. Arsenal in pretty good, obviously pretty good form. But um, I get the feeling that you're going to see a player in Connor Gallagher in this game who just got that England call-up, who had a pretty good game, at least for them in particular. And Gahey, who had a good game. Tyreek Mitchell got the call-up as well. Probably a lot of players on a lot of confidence if, if I was Crystal Palace. And I get the feeling that that's going to translate pretty well in a game against Arsenal. I don't think they'll get the win. I think it's probably another draw for them, but I'm not sure this is Arsenal guaranteed three points territory, to be frank. Yeah. It's yeah, I, I agree. It, it's a very tough one. Um, it 
does feel like it has draw written all over, in my opinion. But the way Arsenal have been playing, I, I it's hard to bet against them also pulling away three points and then keeping on their form. I mean, their last loss is to what, Liverpool? And then before that, I, I really couldn't tell you who it is. He's off the top of my head. So, anything else, though, fellas? That's it for me, my man. Michael? No, uh, more or less. I'm just curious, like, you know, obviously it's a very tight race for both fourth and the top of the table. Where do you see it shaking out? How do you see it ending in general? Like, uh, I'm kind of curious what people's thoughts are here. I think it's going to, I guess you got to go. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, I I guess you got to go winner or the better result at the time for the Liverpool Man City Probably the win. Let's just take the winner of that one. Let's just say, and I, I would, I would put them in the front runners to win. Um, do I think it's probably gonna be Man City? I would imagine, but you never know. And then um, top four, I, I'm, I'm fully on Arsenal right now. There's just, I, it's hard to, tell, it's hard to say. Well, I, I don't see one of the teams below them beating them out at least, unless Tottenham beat them in the North London Derby. Yeah, I think you make an interesting statement with there too with um. Given how tight the title race is uh, between Liverpool and Manchester City, you know the result of that's obviously going to be, you know, unbelievably massive. I think actually the top four race spots for three and four is the exact same scenario. I think there's a real possibility that Chelsea drop into that fourth spot and Arsenal can overtake them, considering that Arsenal still have to play Chelsea, and there's a four point a four point gap right now, I believe. Correct. They still, right. they still have a point lead. Five-point gap, sorry. Five-point gap. They shut that down to two points. Chelsea's lineup – not lineup. Chelsea's remaining fixture schedule is not doing them any favors. I mean, Arsenal, West Ham, Everton, Wolves, and United before they end the season at Watford. All those games are droppable point matches. It's, there's, it's not an easy run to the end. Mix in Champions League matches. They progress through Real Madrid, tired legs. I actually think – I think Arsenal have a somewhat decent chance to make that third spot and drop Chelsea down. I would disagree with you right there. So obviously they have the North London Derby, which has to be replayed, right? Right. They're about to play Crystal Palace. Then they play Brighton Southampton, which maybe you could, you could probably toss those up as three points for them realistically each. And then they play the Chelsea game. Like you mentioned, they play Man U who hypothetically still could be fighting for a spot in Europe. West Ham afterwards, who hypothetically still could be fighting for a spot, at least in the Europa League conference, a Leeds team fighting to get out of relegation, and then they wrap it up at Newcastle. So I don't think it's necessarily a walk in the park for them to get that guaranteed fourth spot. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a walk in the park. Of course not. I mean, they play three of the same teams on the season. They actually end on Everton. So both Chelsea and Arsenal have to play Everton, Everton, West Ham, and United, and they have to play each other, right? So let's just chalk those down to whatever they are. I just think that if Arsenal are able to get a result at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, I think they end up in third place. It's it's not going to be easy. And I know it's not the, the most favorite. The odds are against that. But I think the potential for that to happen is higher than what people are giving it credit for. Okay. Putting it that way, I, 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 see, I see what you're saying. I still disagree regardless, but <laughs> I still think you're wrong. No, 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 you are. It sucks to suck. Um, 
but now I, I I do understand that when you put it that way, I I do see where you're coming from. It it does make sense. Um, I just I think Chelsea like Mike, you brought up the schedule. I think Chelsea have an easier run in plus they already they have the five point gap. Um, I mean a winner or a draw in that in that derby. See, I I might say seals it up, but pretty damn near close does does what they have to do. Yeah. Um, I'll also make it interesting though, like no doubt about it. I still I still need to pull it off without having to uh, yeah. go too far down. I mean, a Tottenham win would blow that whole thing wide open. Oh, yeah. Yes, it would. I mean, Spurs schedule, too. I mean, they have to play Arsenal. They play Newcastle, Villa, Brighton, Brentford, Leicester. They have a game against Liverpool, Burnley, Norwich. So they have a – out of those teams, you know, at least fighting for that top four, you could probably say they have a little bit of an easier schedule. Yeah. I would argue that. I would agree. So, I mean, there's every possibility that they could slip in. Yeah. Oh, very possible. Yeah. Anything else, fellas? Let's go. Let's go, US. Yeah. Wednesday's the day, man. I really hope they just all sit in the circle in the center circle, hold hands, just kick the ball around between each other. Nothing happens. (laughs) I'm sure Costa Rica would love to do that. Every time (laughs) they touch it, just kick it out of play. Just boop it. (laughs) And then let him five goals, but only five. Just will be sending Mexico down the fourth spot. <laughs> real, real, real quick, if Mexico had to go to the playoff, do you think they qualify? They have not looked that great throughout the entire. Who would they play? The Either New Zealand or the Solomon Islands. I never. I think, yeah. Forget the question. I, mean, I I think they would qualify. I think New Zealand could give them a tough time, but um, I, I think they probably qualify. Yeah, I think so too. I think Costa Rica would probably qualify. Tim will come back and transfer to New Zealand. Is that a thing? No, it's not a thing. He's capped and he's retired. <laughs> Damn. I figured they're so close. Maybe they they let it happen. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you definitely don't want to be in a position where where the chance of a, a knockout's possible. I mean, I think Italy's pretty much fired the warning shots across the bow for that one. But it's yeah, I think that would be. I think it'd be more or less a cakewalk. Yeah. All right. So we're in. Got it. We're good. Let's celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. That'll do it for this episode of the Center League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets and updates about the show, world football, United States men's national team, and the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike Abito, signing off.